Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And tonight, for the first time in a while since Carolina shut down their early signing class in the 2022 class, Zach Hubbard is along with us. We are going to put an official bow on the 2022 recruiting class for the Tar Heels. Um, We'll tell you about the eight early enrollees, and we will also talk to you about the transfers. Carolina may not have been able to land somebody late on the recruiting trail for the 22 class, but they did end up landing a transfer. Uh, On Wednesday, we'll tell you about him and the other two guys that Carolina has committed in that class. And then before we get out of here, it's the 2023 guys that we most want. Each one of us will give our top 10. We've done this uh, year in and year out, and I think it's been a pretty big success. So we're going to do that once again to kind of get you guys prepared for the 2023 class and officially turn the page. Well, let's start with that 22 class, as I was saying. Carolina finishes top 10 on every major website except one. That was Rivals.com. They had Carolina number 11. Uh, They did have Carolina second in the ACC as well. They had Clemson jumping just ahead of them. Every other site, 24-7 Sports, ESPN, and on three, all had Carolina as the 10th overall class in the country this year and number one in the ACC. Either way, all four of those rankings, Carolina with easily their best class under Mack Brown and easily their best class since the Butch Davis era. Um, And when you compare them head-to-head and you compare the overall talent that Carolina has in the classes, this probably ranks up there with some of the best all-time. Now, again, it's kind of hard to quantify some of the earlier recruiting classes that Carolina had before 
uh, 2000 when, you know, that's when things started really, um, you know, to get into the modern age of recruiting where rankings started coming out, everything like that. So it's it's kind of tough to rank some of those classes, but this probably ranks up there with some of the ones that Carolina brought in under Mac Brown the first time. And maybe if you go back to, uh, you know, the, the 70s and, and, and early 80s with Dick Crum. So there's a ton of talent here, Carolina, with eight early enrollees. Zach Rice, Travis Shaw, George Petaway, Sebastian Cheeks, Malachi Hamrick, Bo Atkinson, uh, Travion Green, and Connor Harrell, all early enrollees. And it's big for Carolina that you get Zach Rice there. Travis Shaw, you want, uh, you know, as a five-star guy that you're hoping can contribute early. And then George Petaway at a position of need as well. So uh, this is, you know, an extremely successful class for Carolina and one that should be able to have some big-time effects moving forward. I know, you know, we, we've talked about this class at length, Zach. You know, every time that we've gotten an opportunity with a commitment or when we were talking about it during the early signing period, uh, we, we really harped on the fact that this is the type of class that can help to put you over the top. It's, you know, the talent's there. Now it's about development. But, uh, you know, what are your final thoughts really on this class that Carolina brings in in, in 2022? I think that despite the results on the field, which I think a lot of Tar Heel, field, Tar Heel fans excuse me, would find disappointing, we continue to see the uh, North Carolina recruiting machines sort of keep moving forward uh, in spite of that. I mean, it's another crop of high-level players, a lot of guys in the top 500 is sort of the metric we like to use, a lot of four- and five-star blue-chip guys, uh, which is the you know the main national metric that they use uh, for talent here. So it is still a program and an organization that is um, connecting with recruits, connecting with kids, offering opportunities. Uh, you can come here and you can be successful. Uh, we hear a lot um, if you look at interviews from different prospects or commits or players, uh, coaches, anything along those lines, there's the constant refrain of, it's not a four-year decision, it's a 40-year decision. And you see that at multiple schools, but it's really something that North Carolina likes to have as part of their overall brand, their overall imprint. And, and it's something that you see through um, not only the football team, but uh, Cardinal Sports as a whole of just selling what it means to be part of the University of North Carolina, not only as a um, as a football team, but as an overall uh, university and network of alumni. You, you've seen some, some somewhat unrelated uh, stuff this week with uh, North Carolina launching a uh, sort of a group NIL deal. You've seen expansions in the athletic facilities. So there's a lot going on uh, sort of all at once with North Carolina that uh, shouldn't really be overshadowed. Uh, some of it is unrelated, but there, there are connections here just as an overarching, um, you know, great time in Carolina athletics. And I think that this recruiting class just continues to reflect that. 
Yeah, no, you're you're right about that, and 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 the Heels for Life program, uh, which was something that you talked about there, is really a great opportunity for fans to be able to sort of connect with uh, the current Tar Heel athletes, and you know it's an opportunity for those guys to be able to make a little bit of money, and yeah, it's something that I think Carolina fans should be excited about, not only you know from a personal standpoint, but on the field and and in recruiting, this is going to allow uh, Carolina to be able to to you know add this to their recruiting pitch and and, and this will be something that will make a difference so um, yeah I, I think in this class you know the main things that we talked about with this class was you know they had to address certain positions in need I think the offensive line became an even bigger one during the season I think they addressed that they got you know a guy in Zach Rice who we both have said we think can come in and make uh, an impact immediately um, they've continued to add to the overall talent defensively um, I, I think, you know, they've, they've needed some guys on the edge that can rush the passer. And, and look, it is going to be, you know, kind of strange for some of these guys because they were originally recruited to play uh, for Jay Bateman and his system and probably felt that they fit that system maybe a little bit better than Gene Chizik's system. But they are guys that, you know, are, look like they're still, uh, you know, good body types and, and, and guys that, you know, just play the game at, at a level and, and in systems, I think, that will still allow them to be successful here. None of those guys have, have yet, you know, entered the transfer portal um, or, you know, seemed like they were going to, you know, potentially be looking somewhere else. So that's one of the things that I think you'll keep an eye on with that on the defensive side of the football. But I think the other big thing is, is that Carolina – not only did they do the work that they needed to in the state, and again, this was a weaker class than last year, and that was expected. Last year's class was an elite class, but to go into the state of Virginia and do as much damage as you did was really, really big for Carolina. And look, they've got that footprint that Mac Brown has talked about so much from Washington, D.C. down to Atlanta. It feels like they have really hit the state of North Carolina and Virginia hard uh, in the first three years that he's been there. It feels like, uh, you know, when you get into the 23 class, they might extend down into Georgia. That might be where they have to, you know, do a little more damage this time around. But the state that we talked about so much that they had to take care of in 22, they did in the state of Virginia. Let's talk about the three transfers that Carolina has brought in. And let's talk about the most recent one first. As we mentioned, Carolina was only really keeping an eye on one guy in the 2022 class. And it really wasn't that keen of an eye the other uh, heading into the other day. Uh, that was, you know, three-star defensive tackle Ahmad Moten out of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know, he is right in the backyard of Miami. You would expect that the Hurricanes would be able to wrap up his commitment, and they were. So Carolina, quiet on that front, but they pick up the transfer from Harvard, offensive lineman, more specifically offensive tackle Spencer Rollins. He started 20 games in his time at Harvard, and uh, all 20 of them were at right tackle for the Crimson. Now, you may be saying... 20 games, shouldn't he have started more there? Well, look, he started as a sophomore back in 2019. He was set to be a starter for the 2020 season, but the Ivy League was canceled completely in 2020, so he did come back this year in 2021, had the best year of his career in first-team All-Ivy League um, for both the media and Phil Steele, uh, who you guys know very highly regarded when it comes to breaking down all of college football. So this is a, a guy 
that Carolina, I think, really needed to add to their offensive line. There's some big question marks at offensive tackle, um, and it doesn't just go with you know Jordan Tucker leaving. It's also the fact that, let's be honest, the Sim Richards has not been all that productive at left tackle. He's been very hit and miss, and that's a guy where if you could upgrade that position, you should probably look to do that. Um, what did you think about them bringing in uh, Spencer Rolland? And I know some people you know, maybe are a little bit concerned, Zach, about the fact that he is a guy coming from the Ivy League taking the step up, but this is becoming more and more commonplace that you're seeing these FCS guys take a step up to the next level. Absolutely, and I think you know we like to talk about uh, recruiting rankings, star rankings, things along those lines, and those are valuable um, in a in a big picture sense, in, in a macro sense, but in a in a more micro sense, more individual level. I mean, guys develop differently; uh, they you know can grow physically differently. So I, I think that there are in the era of the transfer portal, there's becoming more and more of a push to say, hey, there are guys at the FCS level, at the NAIA level, and you know, in the Ivy Leagues, which is part of FCS, um, that can provide value to our team. I think Spencer Rollins is one of those. Um, in the transfer portal specifically, this past cycle, we saw North Carolina look to the offensive line. Obviously, they lost quite a number of pieces, three of their starting offensive linemen from this past uh, cycle. Um, they do have quite a number of rising seniors, so there's going to be a lot of movement in this room, and it really seemed like they were looking for guys that can come in and have an immediate impact. It's a position that they've been you know, pushing to add more players at, but um, you know, whether it be young guys or guys that still needed some physical development, it was obviously position where they thought that they needed guys that were ready to go, and I think Spencer Rollins is one of those played um, right tackle primarily at Harvard, but I think he is a guy that you mentioned can play multiple spots with the offensive line in most scenarios. Um, they're going to look to play their best five guys, um, and, and most offensive linemen nowadays are diverse enough, maybe not diverse is the right word, but flexible enough that mm -hmm. they can fit multiple positions, and, and you want to find guys that can um, fit multiple roles. So I think Spencer Rollins is definitely one of that uh, one of those guys. I think he was a guy that gained quite a bit of weight in his time in college. He was probably a little undersized as a high school athlete, which led to him going to the Ivy League. But you know, you get a guy from the Ivy League, you obviously know that you're getting a guy that's smart, intelligent. Um, he has experience. He knows the game, um, and, and I think he's a very fluid athlete as well. From the clips, highlights that I've seen of him so far, I, I like the way that he moves. I feel like that is going to be a little bit of a, of a change. Um, from the offensive tackles that they had in the past few years that had a little bit more of those bigger bodies but were a little bit uh, slower in terms of um, you know dealing with sort of those speed edge rushers. So I think he adds a really, really different component at the offensive tackle position than what they had in the past few years. And I think um, he can be a real benefit to the team, especially in pass protection. And that's the area where they've really got to improve the most. I, I think, you know, people will say, well, what about the fact that he 
you know, might be a little bit light uh, and, and won't be able to move guys as easy on the edge in, in, in run blocking. I mean, look, Carolina, you know, they, they've had some really good running backs come through over the last couple of years. I mean, Ty Chandler uh, just coming off an outstanding performance in the Shrine Bowl game. Looks like he's going to be the next guy to go to the NFL after, of course, you saw Javante Williams and Michael Carter do what they did. So I, I think Carolina's got the running backs. And, and look, he's a veteran. He's been there for, you know, four years. Years, you know, at the college level over at Harvard. Now he's transferring into Carolina. So, um, you know, he, he's a guy that's that's been in a system that run blocks. Clearly, they they did a lot of that at Harvard. But you know, it's also a system that uh, you know he said it the other day. They're they're a team that he thinks is very similar to what Carolina does from from what he knows about Carolina. Um, he'll probably get a little more familiar with it. Uh, he was not allowed to receive the playbook until he officially committed. So uh, now he's he's probably grinding on that a little bit and, and figuring out exactly what the offense looks like. But yeah, I mean, at 6'6", 290, you feel like he's probably a more athletic uh, offensive tackle. And and look, Carolina's had some guys like that before that have really succeeded. The one that comes to mind for me is Charlie Heck just a few years ago, um, who came in and, and was a guy that was a converted tight end, came in and, and, and was an offensive tackle right out of the gate, but was a guy that they knew was going to probably take a while to be become what he could eventually become. He was a starter within his second year. So this is a guy that has a much bigger frame than that, um, but is definitely an athletic guy and will help Carolina pass protect, something that they simply have to be able to do this year, um, especially with the fact that they are going to be working in a new starting quarterback. They also bring in another offensive lineman, a guy that's probably going to be on the interior, you would expect, either center or one of the guard spots, and that's Corey Gaynor, a transfer from Miami. There's a lot of different layers to this. The most obvious one is, well, he's from Miami. You know, he's from Miami, um, so he probably was coached by Stacy Searles. He was recruited by Stacy Searles. That is true. That's one of the main reasons that he is coming to Carolina. And look, he brings a lot of experience with him. Uh, this this is a guy that started 38 games in his time at Miami, um, or or played in 38 games, started 28. Excuse me. Um, including 24 straight between 2019 and 2020, all at center. 2021, he started the first three games of the year, but did go down with a knee injury. He did speak to the media last week, though, and did say that he does think uh, everything is progressing the right way and feels very, very confident that he will be ready to go for this upcoming season for the Tar Heels. This one, Zach, I mean, look, Rollins big. I think that gives you some flexibility at tackle, but that was a spot where you had a Sim Richards. Um, you have a guy in William Barnes who, uh, you know, has been there before. It definitely has, you know, some some improvement that he would have to, you know, go through over the offseason. And then Zach Rice. But, you know, at guard, you lose both Joshua Zudu and Marcus McKeithen. And, you know, you're not really sure what exactly you're going to do with, you know, wh- whichever guy doesn't start at center in Kieran Johnson or Brian Anderson. This gives you flexibility uh, and a guy that is a veteran here and is, has done it before and done it at a high level as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, um, with Brian Anderson and Kieran Johnson, those are two guys that obviously have a lot of experience at North Carolina. Uh, but I, I don't think 
that I'm really surprising anyone by saying that neither guy within the last two years has been the clear-cut favorite and rock-solid starter at center. Uh, they've done good things. They've done things that obviously they don't want to repeat on the football field. Um, so it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, but you add a guy like Corey Gaynor, he will add competition at the center spot. We'll be in contention for the center spot, I imagine, but can also move to one of those guard spots if need be. Like we mentioned before, um, North Carolina lost three of their starting offensive linemen. Um, two of those three were their guards, their left and right guard, and uh, Joshua Zudo and Marcus McKeithen. So those are spots that they're going to have to fill, and there's not you know, ready-made replacements right there available. Of course, you have a guy like uh, Ed Montillis that will be in contention. You've had players such as William Barnes that's gotten some experience at right guard and right tackle. Uh, but that's not one that has quite the level of ready-made answers that we've seen uh, to some extent at offensive tackle. So I, I think you will see probably two, if not three of these guys be in your offensive line. Uh, your starting offensive line, that is, for one reason or another. I don't know where they'll be necessarily. It's really going to depend, I think, first and foremost on who does the best job at, at snapping to the quarterback, who has that chemistry uh, to get the ball to the quarterback's hands quickly and as easily as possible, and then who's able to really do the best job of you know, making the shifts and, and doing what they need to do in order to make sure that the whole offensive line is working properly. I mean, that's the main focus of the center uh, is to communicate, you know, really make sure that the whole line is doing what they need to do on any given play to counteract whatever that defensive front is going to do. So I think that's going to be one of the key deciding factors. But Corey Gaynor specifically, like you mentioned, a guy that's been in a ton of games. If you listen to somewhat of the uh, introductory press conference that he did, he's going to be a fan favorite. He's really a no-nonsense kind of guy, a guy that's here to play football and really you know, play at a high level and dedicate himself to hard work. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, just to give a synopsis of that, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in contention for one of those starting spots. We don't know which one as of yet, but it's going to be hard to keep a guy with his mentality and his experience off the field. Yeah, he's going to play some role for this team. I think... You know, at center, it's, it's, it's going to be really about who communicates the best. That was one of the biggest issues that Carolina had this past year at center and, and really just affected the entire offensive line this year. And look, part of it wasn't, you know, just the fact that the guys, you know, were, were struggling. It was the fact that the guys weren't healthy. Um, you have Brian Anderson that came into the season with an injury that he suffered right before fall camp. Um, and then in season, Kieran Johnson gets banged up. Remember, there was a game, um, you know, I, I believe it was the Duke game, actually, where uh, you had uh, uh, you had Caton Baker actually have to start there. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's they need continuity there. This is a guy that, look, if you need him there, then you got him. If you don't need him at center, well, then you can move him around to one of the other guard spots. So, he provides flexibility for you, but he's a veteran. And and look, I I, I know and for sure Ed Montillas is going to factor in here. But we've seen Ed as a starter before. 
I just don't know if there's enough consistency there. He's still going to have a chance because he's, you know, getting older and he's, he's going to have the chance to take another step forward this year. But we'll have to wait and see. And then, you know, with, with a guy like Zach Rice, I think that's a chance for him to potentially get early playing time because playing guard a little bit easier than playing tackle. But we'll kind of just have to wait and see. So, I think Gaynor was a guy that they looked at and they said to themselves, look, we need some veteran guys up front here, and if he can you know, be our solution at center, then so be it. But if not, he, he's going to give us you know, a guy that we can rely on, a guy that we know is going through the ACC slate and can get the job done. Speaking of guys that have been through the ACC slate, um, and specifically the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, the, the, uh, Atlanta, uh, the Coastal Division of the Atlantic Coast Conference, Noah Taylor is the other guy that transfers in. Uh, he comes over from Virginia, defensive end slash linebacker, um, was a guy that, again, signed on before Carolina ended up moving on from Jay Bateman. Now, the thing here is, is it still feels like he's a pretty good fit here because there are so many different things that he can do. Early in his career at Virginia, really focused on pass rushing, did that at an extremely high level. Also, does a really good job, and I think a better job, uh, you know, of, of containing the edge when it comes to run defense situations than some of what we've seen from Carolina on the edge the last couple of years. He can also drop back into coverage and play more of a traditional linebacker position, outside linebacker. Um, we've seen that a couple of times from him. I think he probably projects more as a defensive end, and Carolina really does need those guys. They need more consistency there, and they have to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. But this this is a good pickup, I think, either way, Zach, because he it, it can do so many different things for you, and, and he feels confident that uh, he can handle whatever role comes comes his way, as he said in the introductory press conference. Absolutely, yeah. And not to go on uh, too long of a, a diatribe about sort of the changes in scheme. That's more for the main show. But um, there is going to be a change in the overall um, formation, uh, the base formation, rather, that they're going to be running. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene Chizik runs primarily more of that base 4-3, and of course in any scenario, whether it be 4-3 or 3-4, it's probably going to be more so of a you know five defensive backs at any given time, and then um, the remainder of your guys, the remaining six really, uh, it's going to be a variety of guys that you designate as defensive linemen and linebackers, so it's hard to say right now until we actually see what sort of weight changes come in over the summer, um, and then into the fall what the actual listed depth chart looks like that's when we'll sort of get an idea of what they want from a high weight measurement sort of feel from this defense because it, it could be a situation where they just take your main defensive linemen and put them there they take the outside linebackers in mass and just make them defensive ends without really much change in what they do other than they wouldn't drop back and cover nearly as much um than they do now so it's hard to really say uh for him specifically i do think is he is a guy that obviously he can play sort of that three four rush outside linebacker edge rusher role i I think that he can 
play that as a true defensive end with his hand in the ground, mainly because uh, what I see as his number one skill on the outside is setting the edge. I think that's something that he really excels in. That's something that his specialty is really playing the run and stopping any sort of horizontal movement uh, from a running back or from a receiver in the backfield, anything like that. Um, I think that's something that's, you know, that's valuable if you're a edge rushing outside linebacker or a defensive end. Um, so I think he's going to find his place sort of on that defensive front, whatever you call that role. Um, I, I think he fills a void that, quite frankly, was missing from the um, Tar Heel outside linebackers last year. And to some extent, the defensive line is really setting that edge and, you know, shedding blocks, getting the guys in the backfield, creating tackles for loss uh, on the perimeter. So if I had to say, you know, who's what, who's the guy from these transfers that I'm most excited about? I think for that simple issue, Noah Taylor might be that guy. He's certainly in contention among these three to be my favorite just for adding that ability um, to really stop these perimeter runs and you know these the ability to get off blocks that has plagued the North Carolina defense over the last few seasons. And, and that, yeah, you said it. It's it's a valuable skill, and, and, and they definitely need somebody that can get after the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But you're right. The guy that can help contain that edge, um, especially against some of these more mobile quarterbacks. I think everybody, when they hear that, kind of thinks, well, yeah, you know, Carolina's done a, a much better job than they have in the past at stopping the run. And, yeah, that's true. But what has bothered Carolina the most over the past couple of years has been these mobile quarterbacks. Having a guy like that that, you know, does a good job of setting the edge and, and containing uh, the run is, is is something that I think Noah Taylor can do, as you were saying, and I think is very valuable to this team. They need that type of guy. You have some of those guys that you think can be your pass rushing specialist, and a lot of those guys were young, so you're hoping those guys take a step forward. And look, Noah Taylor's no slouch there either, so I think he kind of brings the best of both worlds, and, and I like this pickup as well. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if I can agree with you there that it's my favorite just because, man, this team needs offensive line help so bad. But um, I definitely think all three of these guys have a chance to come in and make a pretty good impact. Uh, the last two guys that we talked to you about, one year of eligibility remaining for both of those guys. Spencer Rolland actually has two, so he's a name to get familiar with here over the next couple of years. And if you are worried about him coming in from Harvard saying, well, is Carolina really just the only thing that was seeking him out? He was originally committed to Penn State and decommitted from them back in early December. And as we know, in order to play offensive line in the Big Ten, you got to be pretty good. So if Penn State was feeling pretty confident in him, I think there's reason for Torio fans to feel pretty confident. We're going to take a quick break. DraftKings, uh, they've got a great uh, option for you here for the Super Bowl if you're into betting. Uh, so make sure you uh, listen intently if, you, if you're a big better here. Uh, we'll come back and we'll turn our attention to the 2023 class, our top 10 most wanted targets in the class, coming up right after this break on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. 
In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Voidware prohibited? Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9783. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467369. All right, so welcome back into the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Zach Hubbard with you. Make sure you guys are taking advantage of that great opportunity. Uh, If you are betting on the Super Bowl, do it with DraftKings. Uh, They have that awesome deal for you. So uh, make sure you head over to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for uh, details and and check all that great stuff out. Let's get into the 2023 class here, Zach. And, uh, you know, I I spent a good amount of time here going through uh, some of the names that uh, Carolina has already offered in the 2023 class. And looking at the guys that I want the most in this class, it was was great to go and watch some film on these guys, really get familiar uh, with these guys in this class as we've been so focused on that 2022 class. Um, But Carolina, you know, they've already got the one commit in the 23 class, but uh, in Tad Hudson, the quarterback commit, but they're wanting to add to that here soon. So, uh, you know, we've done this the last couple of years. I think it's been a pretty big hit. People have really liked it. And, uh, you know, they've gotten, you know, their their list out as well, the ones that they want to see the most. So, uh, you know, let's let's do it as we've always done it. You know, we'll start with from, from 10. We'll alternate and go back and forth and talk about some of these guys. And eventually end up at our number one prospect that we most want. And, again, there's multiple things that kind of go into this position of need coming up. Uh, you know, really, I think, you know, sometimes we also look at, you know, where Carolina stands with some of these guys. There's some other guys that are on the list that may be a little too unrealistic or, you know, if they're guys that Carolina hasn't offered yet that are, you know, in the t- near the top of the country. I mean, clearly you're not going to offer a guy that's a five-star that Carolina hasn't offered and it doesn't seem like there's any mutual interest in. Um, but, you know, I... I, I piled together my list. Zach's piled together his list. And I'll let you start, Zach. Who do you have at number 10 for your most wanted 2023 targets? At number 10 for the most wanted in 2023, I do have a four-star defensive lineman out of the state of Virginia, specifically Richmond, Virginia, and that's Joel Starlings. Uh, Originally a Hmm. 
Michigan commit, um, an early Michigan commit, I should say, uh, before they lost their defensive line coach. Um, so with that, he did decommit from Michigan, is back on the option, and with that, North Carolina finally gave him an offer after some early interest sort of last cycle as he you know got around to the country got on some visits uh listed at six five three ten um in my mind he's very athletic he really has that size that you like to see where he can play multiple positions not really your traditional um nose guard per se but you know as we stated with the change in defensive philosophy you need sort of these guys that can play multiple positions because you're going to need different types of defensive ends different types of defensive tackles so with that being said i think he sort of fills that role of a guy that you can see play inside play a little bit outside as well he's got good size and plays really violent so you know for my money i have him at number 10 uh with chance to rise sort of as the season goes on and if we see sort of how they recruit him i think that he is a guy that could rise up my board as the season Well, this is just a flawless start because at number 10, I've got Joel Starlings as well from uh, Benedictine High uh, Collegiate High School uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Should probably remember that school's name. That's where Chris Collins came from, who is currently a part uh, of Carolina's roster uh, heading into the 2022 season. You know, I think the thing that was most interesting about him. You know, I like what you said, athletic, especially for his size. Um, just like the size overall. Carolina's kind of looking for those guys in the middle of their defense. And and again, this is a guy that I think really could have fit Jay Bateman's scheme well too, but I think would really fit well in this scheme uh, in the 4-3 defensive front where there will be another defensive tackle alongside of him. But this is the guy that you look at as the guy that can take up space, that can slow down the run in the middle of that defense. And is something that Carolina is really still looking for. You saw it at times this year from Raymond Velasic, but Starlings looks like that type of guy. Uh, you know, I saw it multiple times on film, getting doubled, still finding a way to make plays. Loves the physicality um, and can, you know, has some pass rushing ability to go with uh, the fact that he can slow down the run. So there are a lot of things to like about him. I think there is some flexibility to him as well. I think he moves well. I mean, look, at at, at 310 pounds, he is not going to play defensive end at the college level. It's just that simple. He's got the size to play defensive tackle. They're going to use him at defensive tackle. But to see the athleticism uh, and, and really just the hustle on film, I think, is something that really stood out to me uh, for Joel Starlings, and that's why I have him number 10 on my list. Zach, who do you have at number 9? At number nine, uh, we have our first guy from the state of North Carolina, specifically from Harrisburg, Aiken Ridge High School. I have four-star wide receiver Christian Hamilton, uh, one of the in-state receivers that North Carolina is targeting. Uh, really a guy that I look at as a very diverse wide receiver. He's a guy that I think has the potential to play both inside and outside receiver. Not as much of a... Um, 
my real twitchy guy, like a true slot guy, um, such as a Josh Downs. But I think he's got good long speed. So I see some similarities, at least in play style, not necessarily comparing them as direct comparisons. But I see a little bit of you know what we've seen um, in North Carolina's offense from a Deami Brown role, where you or a even what we saw a little bit at times from Justin Olson of. North Carolina likes to have a guy in their offense that they're, you know, they throw go routes to on the outside. Uh, that'll, you know, when you have Sam Howell, you can drop it in a bucket to them, and they can go and take a sixty-yard pass all the way to the house. And I think that's sort of an option for him as well. But I do think he can line up inside and and be a component in sort of the short game. So I think um, with the offense, North Carolina is going to look to add wide receivers every year. You've got a pretty good option here in state and Christian Hamilton. So, yeah, number nine, I've got a wide receiver in state as well. I am going to go with the guy that just received an offer today on the day of recording, Kevin Concepcion from Vance High School. Uh, or excuse me, I knew I was going to do that, from Chambers High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. They changed the name before last season. Uh, stuck in the old ways a little bit there. My bad on that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I watched him earlier, you know, the thing that jumps out to me about him is just, I mean, pure speed, a guy that makes quick cuts in the open field that can be dangerous after the catch. And there's an element, and you only saw it a couple of times, but this is something that I think you're going to start seeing more and more of throughout college football and the NFL as well. There is an obsession in this postseason run in the NFL uh, with finding somebody on your roster that can fit what Debo Samuel was able to do with the San Francisco 49ers. Kevin Concepcion gives you a little bit of that. I think he's a guy that you could do a lot of different things with. Um, He gives me the sort of feel of what we saw, I think, from Gavin Blackwell. I think he's a little bit faster, a little bit more speed out of the slot, but I think Gavin was a little more polished as a route runner. Um, There's just a lot to like here with him. He brings you special team value as well. Um, And not to mention that this could get you a connection uh, at Chambers, uh, which is a school that has been on the rise. Now, they did end up losing their head coach, Glenwood Furby, who is now uh, a part of the Virginia Tech staff. Um, So we'll, we'll see how, you know, if they have the staying power moving forward because I think their hire was not quite as sexy as some people were thinking that hire could be, but there still are some really talented guys there right now, um, and a bunch of guys that I think Carolina will be interested in over the next couple of years, so this could go a long way towards establishing uh, you know, that pipeline at one of the schools that has had the most success over the last couple of years, and you could also be getting a good twitchy receiver in the slot, um, a guy that has to work on his route running, but I still think uh, would bring you a lot of success out of the slot uh, moving forward. I have him at number nine on my list. Going through our most wanted uh, 2023 targets here. Uh, move on to number eight, Zach. Who do you have there? Number eight, I have a guy from the state of Georgia out of Grayson High School in Loganville, a primary target for the new defensive backs coach in Charlton Warren, and a guy that gave uh, high marks to North Carolina here in a recent visit. Uh, That is Michael Daugherty. Um, Mm -hmm. 
he's a guy that can play multiple defensive back positions. Uh, I, I think I primarily see him as safety. He plays, you know, a lot in the box and near the line of scrimmage. So could be a safety, could be a, a nickel or so, sort of a, a guy that you move to that sixth defensive back spot when you're in dime uh, just because of his versatility. He's really, really quick. He's very explosive um, moving towards the ball carrier in any given scenario. Um, he's got a good conception of where his body needs to be, I think, in a zone coverage situation of diagnosing where a ball is going to be and really working to break that up. Uh, there's not a lot that you see in terms of direct one-on-one pass coverages and man coverage, such as uh, outside corner reps or things along those lines where he's taking a guy straight up in man coverage or press coverage but I think he is a player that you just want to put out on your team and have him go hunt the ball carrier uh, near the line of scrimmage or sort of near the line to gain in any given a scenario. He's a guy that uh, can create pass breakups and really be a fun puzzle piece. That's a word that a lot of people like to mention. You mentioned Debo Samuels as a guy on the offensive side that we see a lot of teams and pros sort of want to figure out how they can um, you know, make those guys work. But you, you see it a little bit on the defensive side as well. You mentioned defensive players like Derwin James, like Michael Parsons, and then um, we've seen him sort of develop a little bit more. But a guy like Isaiah Simmons that we've mentioned on this show multiple times, mm-hmm. uh, these players that we see play, or really, you know, if you want to get down to the brass tacks of it, they're just high-level athletes that you can go put at multiple positions in any given scenario, and they can do multiple things for you at a high level. That's what you're seeing a lot of these defensive looks for. And I think Michael Daughtery sort of feels that aspect from a defensive back position. Yeah, number eight, I've got a guy out of the state of South Carolina on the offensive line uh, out of Dorman High School, uh, Marky Anderson. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that plays a lot of tackle at the high school level, and and it makes sense you're going to put your best offensive tackle or your best offensive lineman, excuse me, at tackle. Um, He probably projects as more of an interior offensive lineman. Most of the recruiting sites have him listed there. And it's mainly because he is a road grader. That, I, that's one of my favorite terms to describe offensive linemen. Um, those are guys that really just like to get downhill and run block with the best of them. And he does that uh, constantly on his film. Dorman is a high school that runs the football a ton because they are extremely successful at it. And they've got guys like him that can just move guys out of the way. And, uh, yeah, that that's pretty much the bulk of his film is just him uh, as a run blocker, and he simply just moves guys. Um, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, a countless amount of pancakes on his film. Um, does, you know, a pretty good job of climbing to the second level. Um, he, he You know, there are some times where he gets kind of locked in on the guy uh, that he initially establishes first contact with, and he will drive that guy to the ground. So climbing to the second level might be something that he has to get a little bit better at, but I love the powerful upper body for him. I mean, he, he is you know clearly the stronger of the guys that he faces on film. Just
just about every time. That should carry over to the college level as well. And I think for his size, very athletic, moves very well on tape, um, and, and did a really good job in the pull blocking situations that you saw him put in uh, of being able to get downhill and get a hat on a guy. So Carolina, you know, they need these guys on the offensive line that can be difference makers. When I watch his film, this is a guy that looks like he can be a difference maker. There are some limitations here because he is going to have to learn how to be a better pass protector. But unfortunately, you know, with a lot of the other offensive uh, linemen in this class, you know, that's kind of one of the elements. You know, one of the other guys that everybody's going to be talking about here is, is Sullivan Absher from uh, right here in the state of, of, of North Carolina out of South Point High School in Belmont. That's a team that runs the wing tee. So they don't pass the ball a lot either. I'm not really that concerned with that in this scenario um, because everything that I've seen shows me that Marquis Anderson has a chance to come in and be a, a guy that can be you know, an, an impact for you on the offensive line very, very early. That's why I got him number eight on my list. Now we move on. Number seven on your list of the most wanted 2023 targets, Zach. Pretty quick through number seven because my number seven selection was the same as your number eight in Marky Anderson. Agree with pretty much everything you said. You know he's a bigger body guy, most likely protect, uh, projects as an interior offensive lineman, but he is one of those road graders. And as we've discussed, specifically in offensive linemen. Um, recruitment and development is really finding these guys that can give you a physical advantage it is absolutely a premium trait in the ACC moving forward. I mean, you're looking at a league right now where we don't know what we're going to get quite yet from Mario Cristobal under Miami. Florida State is still sort of figuring out what they're going to be, and Clemson obviously took a hit this year. Um, so as we've said for years, you know, the, the ACC is very much up for grabs from teams that are going to take advantage of the situation and are going to have a team that is effective. And one of the easiest ways to be effective in the game of football is to be physically dominant. It's a game of blocking and tackling, and that involves physical dominance. So for number seven, uh, I want one of those guys. I want a physically dominant guy, and I think Marky Anderson fits the bill. Well, I'm going to go over to the other side of the trenches for my number seven, and that's a guy that's uh, you know going to be you know an edge rusher, probably a guy that I think uh, fits the defense a, a little bit better than another guy that I'll talk about a little bit further up, but doesn't quite have the physicality, um, the raw athleticism as the guy that I have a little bit further up. But I've got edge rusher Desmond uh, Umi Ozulu from the state of. Maryland. Um, this is a guy that has been on campus uh, for Carolina a couple of times. He just recently got the offer um, from Carolina and you know, I, he was one of those guys that didn't really know a whole lot about him when I turned on his film. I honestly felt like that was one of the guys that I kind of knew the least about, so I didn't really feel confident that he was going to be one of the guys on my list. But, you know, when you turn on the film and watch him, there is a ton to like about him. First of all, I think out of all the guys that I watched on the defensive line, he's probably the guy that shed tats, shed blockers the easiest. Um, and that really shocked me because he's not a guy that's overly physical. I mean, there's there's that aspect to his game for sure. But he's really more of a finesse pass rusher. But every time that 
you would see a lineman try to get their hands on him, he would find a way to shed that block and be right there and do so quickly. And that's one of the biggest things that Carolina has struggled with over the past couple of years, um, mainly this year. We talked about it a ton throughout the season here on the podcast that Carolina just needs guys that can get off of blocks, that know how to get off of blocks. And Umi Azulu looks like that type of guy uh, that can get that done. Um, like I said, there's some good physicality to him. I still think, you know, he, he's probably going to project as more of that finesse pass rusher. But he's got enough physicality to be able to shake off some of those blockers, some of those more physical tackles, and be able to make plays. And he, he had a nice burst off the line of scrimmage. I thought he really got out of his stance well um, and made it tough on, on some slower offensive tackles to be able to get their hands on him. He made a ton of plays in the backfield. Carolina needs those guys that can get tackles for loss. And he's a guy that I think can set the edge pretty well for Carolina. So I really like him a lot. I think that's a name that people might not be as familiar with as some of the other guys. But he's in the footprint, and I think he's a guy that Carolina really needs to take a serious look at in this class. That's why I've got him number seven on my list. Zach, we now turn to number six who do you have there at number six i have another in-state north carolina prospect this time a cornerback from providence day school in charlotte and chris peel currently not rated in the 247 composite but a four-star in the on three composite Um, so that gives you a general idea of not necessarily where he's guaranteed to end up but sort of the general framework that we're working in um for each of the services listed at six foot even and 175 he's a little bit smaller than the cornerback target that north carolina has um gone for in the past mainly in the jay bateman defense they were looking for guys above six foot for the most part they wanted sort of long ranger corners that they could put on islands outside um, they might have a little bit of a different approach in the gene chesic defense so i think this is a guy that they're going to um, put a lot of effort into getting fighting nc state for his signature primarily i think he's a guy that plays with a lot of speed plays with a lot of athleticism and that's a statement that could be pretty general uh, but just when I watch his film he just always seems like he's making plays whether it be you know a breakup or a, a turnover of some kind he, he's a guy that um, like we mentioned uh, with other prospects uh, like I mentioned with uh, Michael Bird, he's, he's a guy that's around the football and that's what I like to see out of uh, defensive players specifically defensive backs uh, as they're guys that are getting involved in the play so at number six I have Chris Peel uh, as an addition and another defensive back on the list. So, yeah, number six, I've got an in-state guy and probably a guy that I think um, will shock people that he's this slow on the list. Um, But I have wide receiver Noah Rogers here. Um, I know that he is seen as the top wide receiver um, in this recruiting class uh, at, that, that Carolina has offered. Um, I've seen him in person. I, I think that there are some really impressive things about him, for sure. Um, he is the most pol- polished of the route runners, I think, uh, for Carolina or for the Carolina targets in this 2023 class. The reason I have him a little bit lower on the list 
really is because I don't know exactly where he fits. I, I think that he's a guy that has the ability to play on the outside. And for the most part, some of the things that he does best, I think, are you know best fit, best suited to be done on the outside. But he's not the tallest guy, and I think that's one of the things. Carolina needs some of these taller receivers that can go up and get the football. They're still looking for that, and I know they just got Andre Green Jr. in the 2022 class, and I think he's a guy that fits that role very, very well, but they lacked that this past year, and it was very evident. They need those guys that can help them in the red zone. Wide receiver's going to be a position to need this upcoming season, um, and I I think Noah Rogers has some of those talents. He climbs the ladder very, very well, so he can go up and get the football, but I think the height is maybe a limitation on him. We'll just have to kind of wait and see, but yeah, it, very good hands, very reliable, just about anything that you throw his way. I mean, you go back and watch his highlight tape. He makes some of the most unbelievable catches that you'll see, so uh, he is a guy that can simply make any catch out there. Um, and I think, you know, he's very good after the catch. I, there, there's, you know, he's got pretty good speed. Um, he's a guy that can be shifty in the open field. And uh, I, I definitely think he's a guy for Toriel fans to be excited about. I know Carolina is, you know, going to be battling NC State for him. There's a couple of out-of-state school, out schools uh, as well that are making a good push for him. But uh, this is one where, you know, Carolina does have his brother, Cyrus Rogers, on the roster. Um, I, I I think this is there, there's reasons to be confident here that Carolina can get this one done, um, but you know I I have a little bit lower on my priority list maybe than some still have them number six as my uh, of my most wanted targets in the 2023 class. Now we move on to our top five. Zach, who do you have to lead off your top five at number five? At number five, I have yet another in-state prospect, uh, which, you know, I've mentioned several times, should be more of a, you know, a larger year in the mm -hmm. state of North Carolina for the Tar Heels. But I have a guy out of uh, Charlie, Charlotte Christian uh, in Grant Tucker. At the high school level, plays wide receiver and linebacker primarily, I've heard, even uh, potentially a very, very big box safety as a potential role for him. But really just an overall Athlete. I like what I see from him there. I don't know if he's necessarily going to play wide receiver for the Tar Heels at the next level, but as a defensive prospect, I think he sort of fits again into one of those roles, which I keep coming back to, of a, a guy that can do multiple things, that can uh, tackle in space, can go sideline to sideline, uh, but also has the length that I think he can be very effective sort of in um, short field passing scenarios, passes over the middle, things along those lines to break up football. So whether it be linebacker, whether it be a um, sort of a box safety role for him, I, I think he's a guy that offers you what we've been looking for, uh, sort of from whether it be these hybrid linebacker safeties, the true linebackers, or some of these guys that are projected to play nickel. Um, the Tiger Heels need 
uh, or really any modern defense, needs pass defenders that can be effective in that short area. Uh, as we see so many of these offensive thrive off of RPOs with slant cash where they're you know, passing the ball short and letting the wide receiver make the rest of the play, you need defenders in the modern game that are going to be effective in defending that. And I think Grant Tucker gives you an option in doing that. So at number five, I've got a guy that you talked about a little bit earlier out of the state of Georgia at safety, Michael uh, Dougherty. You know, he, he really impressed me on film because I was expecting him to be, just from the looks of him, be a guy that was more of a coverage safety, more of that free safety. That wasn't what you got at all with him. He's more of a box safety, and that really surprised me. But um, there's so many things to like about what he does. First of all, as I mentioned, helps in run defense. That's something that you always want with your safeties. And, you know, Carolina's gotten that over the last couple of years. But really, you know, it's been from one guy. It's It's been from Cameron Kelly, who's been the guy that can help, where, you know, you go back to the days where Carolina had both Miles Woolfolk and Miles Dorn back there, both guys very helpful in run defense. So you want to get back to that point. And I think that's going to be one of the focuses uh, for Charlton Warren and Gene Chizik uh, to get back in this defense. And I think Dowdy kind of fits that. You know, when you look at him, great speed. I mean, he can cover a ton of area really, really quick. So uh, that allows him to, you know, be able to break up passes over the middle of the field or uh, especially if you're in zone, he can, you know, cover his zone extremely well because of how quickly he can move. Um, Nice short area quickness, so covers a lot of space very quickly. Uh, That allows him to be able to drive and make plays on the football, which is ultimately what you want from your safeties. Um, And, and, you know, really a tremendous tackler, especially for a safety, a guy that's going to hit you hard and finish the tackle. And that's what Carolina really, really needs from these guys in the second and third level because, you know, up front these past couple of years, they've had moments where they've gotten pushed around, but they've still been in position to make plays. It's just, you know, guys, especially in that secondary, have really struggled to bring down ball carriers at times, and it's led to some big plays. So Carolina needs those guys that are reliable tacklers. That's what I see from Dowdy on film. Now we'll have to see, you know, how that translate to the translates to the college level because we've seen that with some of the other guys, you know, that are currently in the room. But I feel, you know, pretty confident at least from what I've seen uh, on film with him. And and look, he goes to Grayson High School as you mentioned. That's a team that you know plays in the state of Georgia. They compete for state titles in the state of Georgia, which is competitive in and of itself. But that's also a team that's traveled nationally. They played some really big time schools from out of state. So, yeah, this is uh, he faces legitimate competition. You know that this is a guy that you can trust, and that's why I've got him number five on my board. What about number four for you, Zach? Who do you have there as we get closer and closer to that top spot? Number four, I have a uh, defensive end linebacker prospect out of Hickory, North Carolina, Enrico Walker. Um, primarily designation at this point is edge, which in the new 4-3 look would probably be more of a uh, weak side defensive end if you wanted to use that terminology. But I, I think he's a guy that could project as a 4-3 outside linebacker as well. 
maybe not a true middle linebacker, but just a, a guy that's going to play in space, not necessarily make calls on the defense, but just go out and, you know, hunt ball carriers, whether that's with a hand in the dirt on the edge or at a two-point stance or, you know, back near the line of scrimmage. I think he's a guy that gives you multiple options there. And we've seen, uh, if you look at some of the top defenses and, and what they ask their linebackers to do, whether it be Georgia, uh, Alabama, um, they'll use their inside linebackers in pass rush scenarios. And you, and you saw this from North Carolina past years, too. They, they bring uh, Chasserat down either right over the nose guard or they would um, you know, bring him on the edge in blitz scenarios in some instances. So if you have a guy like that that can play a true linebacker spot but also can um, – you know, give you that additional pass rush capability. He's a guy that's harder to take off the field um, when he gives you those options. So I, I really like what I see out of him just from an athletic standpoint, from a versatility standpoint. Um, I think he's a guy that can be a weapon in those sort of blitz scenarios where you've got guys coming from all over the place. So, number four on my list, I'm in the state of North Carolina as well. And, yeah, I think you said it a little bit earlier. Best, uh, this is a, a year where you got to take care of the home state because there's a lot of talent here. I think it's one of the more talented ones that we've seen in a long time and probably rivals the one from a couple years ago back in 2021. And uh, wide receivers a loaded position. But this is where I have my highest-rated wide receiver um, in the class, and, and it is Christian Hamilton uh, out of Hickory Ridge. I, I like what you said about, you know, he, he kind of reminds you a little bit in terms of what he does to Deami Brown, and I think that's what Carolina needs in this offense. They were really lacking that guy last year, and towards the end of the year, you saw it a little bit from Antoine Green, but I just don't think he's the talent that... Uh, Deami Brown was. Christian Hamilton is. He's a four-star just like Deami Brown was. Um, and he does a lot of different things. He can play in the slot if you need him to. That was something that when Deami Brown originally came to Carolina, we thought he could do that if he needed to. But he developed into a really good outside receiver. I think that's where Hamilton's going to thrive the best. Because I like the fact that he has good enough speed to take the top off the defense. I mean, look, it's not he's not the fastest guy, even amongst the receivers that I have on this list. That's Concepcion, I think. But he's still got some pretty good speed, some top-end speed that allows him to pull away um, you know, from people. Really good after the catch. Uh, I think he's a guy that that's probably one of the more underrated aspects of his game is, you know, how good he is with the football in his hands, um, and, and you know has a real nice catch radius as well. He can catch just about anything that's thrown his way, no matter where you place the football. Um, and he's a guy that can climb the ladder as well. I think he does that better than any of the guys that we've talked about so far. He can win those jump balls, those 50-50 balls that are so crucial to success in the red zone and that's an area that Carolina has to be better and Phil Longo has to be better having a weapon like that could allow him to do that and then of course as you said there is you know I think there's so much to like about the fact that you've got a guy that can play anywhere Carolina's got so much talent in this wide receiving core that if you can play multiple positions in you know whether it's inside or on the outside I think that really helps you to be able to get on the field 
That's why I like Christian Hamilton. I think, you know, you can't really go wrong with any of these wide receivers in this class. But I think when you project forward and you see the full array of physical skills and attributes, I think Christian Hamilton has the edge. And that's why I've got him number four on my list. Zach, we're into the top three. Who do you have at number three for the most wanted 2023 targets for you? At number three, another North Carolina prospect, this one out of Grimsley High School in Greensboro. Sort of a big-bodied guy. Not sure if he'll play on the offense or, or defensive line, but most often you see defensive line for three-star Jamal Jarrett. Uh, he is a guy that when I look at him just from a frame perspective, it's it's hard not to like. And he is a guy that you know staffs have looked at, and there's a question of where is he going to fit most effectively, like I mentioned, what is the weight going to be, what technique going to be. I still think he is a little bit raw at this point in terms of his overall um, ability, so not necessarily a day one type of guy. Um, but it's just hard to beat that frame. And when he's playing at the highest level in terms of what he does, he is a hard matchup to beat. Really, uh, he, he's what you look for in a, a zero technique or a one technique. Um, and I think he can be a real good component, especially matched up with his Grimsley teammate in 2022 five-star Travis Shaw. So at number three, I've got a guy that you had at number four in Enrico Walker. And, you know, from watching his film, I, I, I do have to disagree with you with where I see him long term. I see him as a defensive end. And believe me, I was I was shocked when I turned on his film. I, I, I know at one time he was listed as an athlete. Um, he was, you know, in the 230s weight-wise. Was a guy that I thought, there is no way that I am going to turn this film on and think this guy is a defensive end. But when you watch him... Out of all the guys that I watched on the defensive line, and that includes the guy that you just talked about there and Jamal Jarrett, um, Joel Starling, who I have on my list, uh, as well as uh, Desmond uh, Umi Ozulu, um, Xavier McLeod, who I do not have uh, on, on my list, but is another guy that Carolina is recruiting. He's the most physical guy out of that group. Um, he is extremely powerful, just sheds defenders with ease. Um, and when he when he gets to the ball carrier, he makes them pay. Um, a lot of times you see him dropping guys in the backfield for losses, um, but has the speed too where, yeah, once he gets past those tackles um, you know, or those guards at times, he can get to the quarterback extremely quickly. He's got that good short area quickness that allows him to close in quickly and drop the quarterback. There's definitely athleticism there. There should be. He plays wide receiver, and he's got a really big frame to play wide receiver, and the fact that he moves his well as he does is pretty amazing but you know I, I think it's just it the way that he plays physically and can shed tackles I think is something that Carolina really really needs and you know he's the the, the thing that I think fits the best off the edge for Carolina is we've talked about those guys um, you know that need to be able to help you 
in run situations. Need to really be able to finish sacks as well. There's been plenty of times this year where Car- or, or over the past couple of years where Carolina's had a guy kind of dead to rights and somehow aren't able to make the tackle and drop him in the backfield. And instead of a sack, it turns into a big play down the field on a secondary route. This is a guy that's as reliable of a tackler as you're going to get. There are so many things to like about him. And look, he's a dominant force. Unfortunately, the reason that you don't hear about him a little bit more is because his team around him really isn't all that great. He does everything for that team and is one of the main reasons uh, why they win games. Um, there is so much to like about him. And, and, and to me, I think he fits. If he can put on just a little bit more weight, he is going to be tremendous as a guy with his hand in the dirt for Carolina or even potentially as a stand-up guy. You may see some of that in, in, in some, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you would call him a hybrid role. I think it'll be some of the bigger guys. But I think Gene Chizik will like to get creative and stand some of those guys up. That could be what Rico Walker does for you. And uh, I've got him at number three on my list. How about number three? two for you, Zach. Well, before I reveal my number two, I do want to point out uh, to give a little bit of a preview of, you know, when you look at our top ten list, we've got the wide receivers all over the place in terms of our board, which I think is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That means that, you know, no matter who North Carolina gets a wide receiver, somebody's going to be right, and I think that's always fun. But at number two, I have a guy you had a little bit lower on your board in wide receiver Noah Rogers, like you mentioned, a guy that uh, a lot of schools are going to be in on. Obviously, North Carolina, NC State fighting for, but we're seeing teams such as Ohio State and Clemson uh, come in and really try to make their mark. Uh, When I look at him, I don't see a guy that really fits a specific role. Like you mentioned, he's not going to be the fastest guy where he's a very, very clear spot. He's not 6'4 plus where he's a, you know, jump up and get sort of guy, a possession guy. And he's not necessarily a straight line speed guy. When I look at him, I just see a guy that's consistently winning. Um, Like you mentioned, one of the more polished route runners. He can be physical. He's not going to be the longest guy, but he can be physical, so he can go up and get the ball. He seems to be open, despite not being a 4-3-4-2 burger sort of guy. So it's really clear that he's using technique and and, a good understanding of the wide receiver position to get the football and to score, which I really like. And and I think he's a guy that no matter where you end up putting him, and I think he would be an outside receiver, uh, no matter where you put him on a football team, he's going to find a way to be a weapon for you. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily as good as a guy like Jamar Chase, which we've seen blossom in the NFL. I mean, that's a Blitnikoff winner right there, and that's hard to place on any high school kid. Uh, but it's a similar play style from what I see. Jamar Chase is not a burner necessarily. He's not 6'4", but he's a guy that knows how to do the little things right and the little things well and uses those to his advantage. And I see some of those similar traits from Noah Rogers. I think that's why he's rated as high as he is currently in the 247 composite coming in as uh, the number 54 
prospect, and that's why I have him number two on my list. Well, number two, I've got another guy that a lot of people see as an elite target and uh, one that Carolina you know, is going to have to put in some work for, and that is Aaron Joshua Harris, also known as A.J. Harris, the five-star cornerback out of the state of Alabama. I believe he is going to go to Central High School in Pennix uh, City, Alabama this year. Um, that should sound familiar. Same high school as Tamari and Parker, um, who I did not put on this list. I like some things that I've seen from him, um, but I don't think he was kind of that standalone prospect or that standout prospect uh, to land on this list, especially with the fact that it looks like he's kind of trending somewhere else. Tariels have a really good relationship with A.J. Harris. They have established this. They've been working on him for a while now. And what else would you expect? He's a guy that is a five-star corner. Carolina's done damage in that secondary the last couple of years. Um, and, and now you're combining both Dre Bly's uh, great recruiting ability with Charlton Warren's great recruiting ability back there. We'll see how that pays off because Charlton Warren hasn't even really gotten a crack at this young man just yet. But man, when you turn on his film, this is a guy that just looks the part of an immediate impact guy and a guy that will thrive throughout his college career and on to the next level. I think one of the reasons that they might be interested in him, maybe even more so now than they were before, is that he is probably as good of a zone corner as I've seen at the high school level, as I've seen Carolina recruit at the high school level at least, um, since I've been watching film. He covers a lot of space really quickly. And for corners, that is kind of rare because... You know, you're, you're expecting your safeties to be those guys that have the better range, that can cover quick more quickly, um, because they're expected to be, you know, in zone pretty much most of the time that they're on the field. It's very rare that you want your safeties to be in man-to-man situations. But with corners, that's usually what you're looking for. But he's a guy that plays a lot of zone in high school, and he really flies around and makes a lot of plays on the football. They're uh, pretty much his entire highlight film is is basically just PBUs. Um, and and there's just so much to like about him. The foot speed is tremendous. Um, the hands are tremendous. Um, and, and I think that there's just so many different things that he does well that really jump out. Um, as I mentioned, I think the closing skills are probably the best. He, he really closes in on guys quickly, even when they have the football, uh, to be able to make plays. And, you know, I think the other thing that Carolina fans are going to be looking more for moving forward is, and you know, we've seen the guys like Tony Grimes, Storm Duck over the last couple of years that have proven that they can be good coverage corners. Now, they were hit and miss this past year, but still, that's where they really thrive. Carolina's got to look for those guys as well, though, that are capable of helping them in run defense, and that was a specialty of the guys that were here back in 2015 and 2016 under Gene Chizik and Charlton Warren. This is a guy that is an extremely good run defender for an outside corner. So there's just so much to like about him. Carolina's in a good position for him. I don't know at this point if I would consider them the leader, um, but they have been at a time. And I think that they are still uh, a team that's in one of the best positions for him. This is a guy that I think 
Carolina fans should have either one or two on their list. He's a guy that if Carolina can get, you absolutely bring him in. And he's a guy that you're going to have to find a, a way to put him on the field early on because there's just so much talent there. That's why I've got him at number two. Here we go, Zach. We've got made it to number one. Who is your most wanted target in the 2023 class for the Tar Heels? I think that we are going to have pretty similar number one, so we'll go ahead and get right into it. He is the brother of a current Tar Heels standout and a five-star prospect from the state of Georgia. A lot of Tar Heel fans will come to know this name. It's five-star safety Caleb Downs, brother of wide receiver John Downs, and I believe um, nephew of Drake Life. I'm getting the familial relations correct. Um, This guy, like I said, he's a five-star safety. He's the number one safety in the country for 2023. He is an incredible athlete. Um, he really plays well on the back end, and he's a headhunter as well. Um, you know, he breaks up on the football. He's, he's used all different ways at high school level, uh, plays in Georgia, sort of in the, you know, in the high-level competition in Georgia. It's a pretty competitive state at the high school level, and uh, he's a guy that you're going to see all of the top schools go for. I mean, he is a prospect that is coveted by the national champion in Georgia. He is coveted by Alabama. Clemson is a team that's going to be really involved there as well. So this is about uh, as ringing an endorsement as you're going to get for a kid that North Carolina is involved with, and they are involved uh, with, of course, Josh and, and Dre Bly there. And it's going to be really important to keep those relationships, but uh, it, it's hard to find a prospect. Uh, and we've seen you know, more and more of these you know, five stars that North Carolina are involved in here in recent years, but it, it's going to be hard to find a prospect with a more national um, national identity on the recruiting scene than Josh Downs. And, um, you know, for that reason and many others, he's my number one. Yeah, I've got him number one as well. Um, there's just so many different things that he can do out of the safety spot. And it's been from the word go. I watched him early on last year. Um, and I'm saying actually two now two seasons ago. Um, and he just he immediately jumps off the page. He looks the part of a five-star prospect. There are some guys you look at sometimes and you'll say, well, they're playing lesser competition or you know maybe even you look at them and say, I really don't see the five-star rating here. That is not the case at all with Downs. He plays at Mill Creek High School um, in Sewanee, Georgia. They are at the highest level in the state of Georgia. They play some of the best game in, game out. And, you know, when I watched him, I thought, you know, he he was another guy that really stood out as an in-the-box guy, tackled extremely well. And we knew that coming in. But then I, I, I saw... You know, something that I think kind of sets him apart, and that's his ability to cover as a safety. And this is a guy that can do it in man coverage, can do it in zone. 
But he, he looks like a corner when he covers. He is that good. His hips are that fluid. Um, and, and to have that in a safety is rare. But I remember that from watching him you know, a couple years ago. That was really what I saw the most of in that game. I, I, w- I left that game with more questions about, is he a guy that can you know, stop the run at a high level? Well, now he's added that to his game. You can tell he's gotten more physical. You can tell he's added a little bit more weight. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's just there's so many different things about him that – should excite you. I mean, if you want to watch a really a guy that you know is going to be an NFL player, turn on that film. Um, yeah, you're right. He's being recruited by all of the top schools in the country, and I think you know, especially here recently, Georgia has made a really significant push here to where I think a lot of people probably look at them as the leader. Carolina was the early leader. Actually, got some early an early crystal ball prediction or two. Uh, for him, and, and I think most people kind of just said, "Yeah, well, that's the family connection." Georgia's made a really strong push here, and I think they're in a great position. I wonder if this is the prospect where getting Charlton Warren could be a huge difference. I, I really think that. Warren's background as a recruiter, combined with Dre Bly, who was named the ACC Recruiter of the Year, by the way, uh, by 24-7 Sports earlier this week, I, I wonder if that sort of has an effect on this recruitment and the one I just talked about, uh, but especially this one, being that Warren has recruited this area for a long, long time. He is a guy that has been throughout the SEC. He recruited this area when he was at Carolina the first time. So he is extremely familiar with these prospects and with these coaches. You wonder if that can have an effect too here, piled on top of the fact that his brother plays for Carolina, that his uncle coaches at Carolina. So yeah, this this is going to be an interesting one to follow. But I would be just ecstatic if Carolina got him. I I think the safety positions, Carolina's kind of managed with some of the guys that they've had. I think they found their gem in in, in Jaquarius Conley, and I think he's only going to continue to grow. But that's really the only guy where I think Carolina has, you know, gotten the guy and and he's lived up to the talent um, since Miles Dorn walked off campus. And even Miles Dorn was a guy that came in as as a three-star, borderline four-star prospect um, and I think took a little bit of time to sort of develop. Caleb Downs wouldn't be that guy. He would be that elite safety that you want on the back of your defense that can do so many different things for you. And I I think that Carolina's got to have him number one on their board. So we'll run through our boards here really quickly. Uh, I'll let you go first, Zach, uh, if you want to go 10 to 1 again, just for anybody uh, that's joining us and and maybe missed uh, some of the guys uh, that we had on our list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's look here. I believe at number 10. I had Joel Starlings yep. out of uh, Virginia. Number t- nine, I had Michael Doherty, safety out of Georgia. Number eight, had Christian Hamilton, um, which is wide receiver, of course, out of North Carolina. Number seven, um, off 
offensive lineman and Marquis Anderson. Number six, cornerback Chris Peel. Uh, number five, I had a four-star, I guess, athlete linebacker safety and Grant Tucker out of North Carolina. Number four, um, four-star edge guy Enrico Walker. Number three, had three-star nose guard Jamal Jarrett out of North Carolina. Number two, had four-star wide receiver Noah Rogers. And then number five, or excuse me, number one, had five-star safety killed down. So, yeah, number 10, I had four-star defensive lineman Joel Starlings. Uh, number nine, I had uh, four-star wide receiver or excuse me, three-star wide receiver Kevin Concepcion out of uh, Chambers High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, was just offered actually today. Number eight, uh, four-star interior offensive lineman out of the state of South Carolina uh, in Marquis Anderson. Uh, number seven, edge rusher Desmond uh, Umi Ozulu out of the state of Maryland, a four-star guy that Carolina offered a couple of weeks ago. Uh, number six, uh, Noah Rogers, uh, a guy uh, that a lot of people have up there, four-star wide receiver that I think uh, could be on the edge of becoming a five-star guy. Number five, four-star safety Michael Dowdy, who uh, you know is out of out of the state of Georgia. Number four, wide receiver Christian Hamilton, also a four-star. Um, number three, I've got the four-star edge rusher Rico Walker. Number two, five-star cornerback Aaron Joshua Harris, otherwise known as A.J. Harris. And number one, I've got the five-star safety as well in Caleb Down. So there you go, guys. Those are our list of the top ten most wanted targets in the 2023 class. Um, you know, there, there are are some guys I think that were left off. I mean, you know, for me, um, you know, I, I did not have Grant Tucker on my list, Jamal Jarrett uh, either uh, on my list. Uh, I know there were a couple of uh, guys that, uh, and Chris Peel as well, actually. So a couple of guys that you were really high on that I did not have uh, on my list. There were a couple of guys on my list, uh, you know, AJ Harris, um, as, as well as uh, as Desmond uh, Umiozulu. I know, uh, and Kevin. Kevin Concepcion, who weren't on your list. So some nice, I, I think, some nice variety here for uh, Tar Heel fans. And, you know, I think one of the guys, just really quickly, I did want to mention two guys, really, uh, that I think, you know, some people will probably have on their list that they're probably familiar with. Um, and, I, you know, I think definitely are worth keeping an eye on. The first one, and this was probably the hardest guy for me not to have on this list here, outside of probably Jamal Jarrett for me, because I'm with you, I like his size. I just... You know, wonder about his fit. I think he's probably a guy that fits the same position as Travis Shaw coming in a year behind him. Is that really, you know, a position of dire need for Carolina? Um, that factored in for me. Um, but I think Chris Culliver was probably the hardest, one of the hardest guys to leave off the list. Uh, the four-star wide receiver from Maiden High School. Um, you know, comes from a smaller school, but man, he he can fly. He has some tremendous speed. He does a lot of. Re- Really good things after the catch. He can go up and get the football. He's a guy that I think, as we go along in this cycle, 
and especially as he goes throughout his senior year, you could see him sort of start to climb this board and be one of those top 10 guys. Um, and look, you know, some of the guys that we have, you know, we each have three wide receivers on our list. There's a good chance that Carolina, you know, potentially doesn't land, you know, those those guys, you know, at least one or two of those guys. And Chris Culliver becomes one of those guys that jumps on the board. The other one that I wanted to mention was the offensive tack tackle uh, Sullivan Absher out of South Point High School in Belmont. You know, when I looked at him, I, I really thought the athleticism stood out. I thought he was a tremendous run blocker as well. And you would expect that with him coming from a school that runs the wing tee. I just thought he's a little undersized. Um, the offense that he ran in high school was a little bit limited. But that was another guy that I really had, you know, some trouble leaving off my list. Was there anybody else that you wanted to throw in there, Zach, before uh, we get ready to shut this thing down? Yeah, a guy that I'm unsure about how he's going to fit into North Carolina's recruiting plan, but an instant guy that I really like uh, in running back, Dalen Smothers. Another guy that, you know, fans probably know the name of, but it's hard to see sort of what his recruitment's going to look like just because uh, North Carolina's going to be a little bit more selective in running back in the 2023 cycle out of getting, uh, after getting George Petway and Marion Hampton in the last class. Uh, Smothers a little bit of a bigger power back. I think they're looking more for a more more of a speedy option if they were to get a uh, running back in this class. So, you know, a, a guy that was hard to leave off the list just because I, I don't know what the pursuit's going to be, but him, um, AJ Harris, I, I had to leave him off my list. I, I think that uh, despite some social media buzz, I think he is a little bit down the list for North Carolina, and I think it's going to be hard to get him back on campus. So, it was difficult to leave him off, but those are sort of two of the names that I had in contention uh, that I did have to leave off, but they were hard to see not on that list. Smothers is is one that everybody is going to kind of wonder about here during this cycle until he at least gets an offer. Um, and it's hard to say. Uh, why exactly it's taken that long. I mean, I think a lot of people were kind of wondering the same thing um, with with Concepcion, who just got the offer today, what was taking so long. But, again, there's so many different factors that go into uh, recruiting and, and, and trying to get, you know, scholarship offers out to these guys. Um, you know, Carolina's got to be, yeah, they, they've got to be strategic in how they go after, um, you know, their needs in, in certain classes. And, look, this is going to be a little bit of a bigger class. That's what Mac Brown said in his press conference. Uh, availability yesterday but I don't think this is going to be a, a, a monumental class by any stretch I still think it's probably going to be maybe 20 or 21 guys I know he said this could be closer to 25 but I think you do want to probably leave the door open for some of those transfers um, especially if this group that you're bringing in works out for you so we'll see um, and running backs one of those positions where yeah right now they haven't put a ton of value into it because they landed two guys that they really, really like in this recruiting cycle, 
And that room is probably the deepest room on the team right now. I know quarterbacks got a heck of an argument as well, but when you look at that running back room, I mean, Carolina's got guys all the way down to five, six deep that could probably play and, and play rather well if they needed them to at running back. They only have one offer at running back in the class. It's one that came in just recently in Jeremiah Cobb out of Montgomery Catholic Prep uh, High School in Montgomery, Alabama. And that's re- that that's their one offer right now at the running back position. And as you mentioned, Cobb, 5'11", 180. So a smaller guy, twitchier guy. Um, you know, probably a guy that I think I, I haven't really gotten a chance to look at him just yet because I don't really know how much of a push they're going to make for him, but probably a guy that can do a a variety of different things. I think going forward, you're going to start to see them look for guys that kind of fit more of what George Petaway uh, is going to be able to do, can move out to the slot at times that they need him to, and do some creative things out there to go along with those more physical backs. So we'll see. We'll see what Carolina does there. But Smothers, definitely a name to keep an eye on, especially if he does get an offer. Carolina uh, would probably look to pursue him pretty hard down the stretch considering that he is one of the most successful running backs uh, in the state of North Carolina's history. So that uh, does it for this edition of the podcast, guys. Make sure uh, that you uh, you know send in your top 10 list. We'd love to see those as well. Uh, you know, Send them in to us on Facebook, at Heel Tough Blog. Uh, on there, you can, uh, while you're there, make sure you like and follow the page as well so you can get all of the stuff that I'm going to tell you about here in just a second in one central location. Plus, you can leave those comments. We also would encourage you to send them to us on Twitter. Uh, you can send it to at HeelToughBlog for the main account. You can also send it to our personal pages if you want to tag us at HTBAnthony for me, at HacksZubbard2 uh, for him. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you guys send those in. We'd love to see those. And uh, I will be putting uh, this up on the website. I will have my list of 10. I'll go a little more in-depth, kind of breaking the guys down a little bit more for you on the website. That'll be coming out soon. We've got that. We've got an article about the draft. I was hoping to be able to get a draft article out uh, to kind of update you on the stock before the Senior Bowl. It looks like I'm going to wait until after because of some of the stuff that we've had going on, some of the stuff that uh, you know I've had to be doing for work. So things have gotten pushed back a little bit with that. But that first draft report to kind of gauge where guys are on these draft boards is coming up and it's going to be interesting because there are some guys that really help their draft stock. Marcus McKeithen did a really good job, had a great week of practice out in Pasadena, California at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Um, so that's going to be reflected in the article. He was actually named to the all-practice team earlier today. Um, same thing with Ty Chandler at the East-West Shrine Bowl. Um, he really stood out. A lot of people were very encouraged by what they saw from him. Um, and a lot of people feel like he's probably one of, if not the best running back that was in attendance in that game. So that could be huge for him as a guy that can climb uh, the boards in those middle rounds. And Kyler McMichael, believe it or not, he was a guy that kind of flew under the radar even receiving 
you know, the invite there. But he's a guy that really impressed some people out there. I think that's a guy that just about nobody had on their draft boards, and probably rightfully so, considering that they weren't expecting him to come out and get into the draft. You had all the confusion when he initially announced that uh, they thought he was going into the transfer portal. Instead, he was announcing that he was going uh, to the NFL draft and was sitting out the bowl game. Well, now it seems like he's maybe being able to build his stock a little bit. Uh, And we'll, of course, update you once they put an official bow on it here on Saturday with the Reese's Senior Bowl on where the draft stock of Sam Howell stands, the guy that everybody wants to know about, the guy that everybody's trying to figure out the best spot for. Um, We'll be doing all that stuff with you uh, on the website uh, and as well as, you know, a ton of basketball stuff. You guys can check that out on there as well, HeelToughBlog.com. Meanwhile, uh, you know, we are going to have some guests coming up on the podcast here. Uh, Trevor Sykema from Pro Football Focus is going to be dropping by with us sometime next week. Uh, he is going to be talking to us about Sam Howell. Um, he was at the East-West Shrine uh, practices for most of the week before heading out to uh, Mobile to cover the Senior Bowl. So we're going to ask him about Ty Chandler, Kyler McMichael, all those great guys, uh, you know, and some of the guys that uh, weren't in uh, those games as well that uh, we'll see what his take is on their draft stock. So check all of that out coming up. Uh, And the best way to do that uh, is on the podcast feed. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can go there. There. Um, give us a like, give us a review, but most importantly, make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any of the additions of the podcast. It'll go right into your podcast library whenever we have a new episode, and it will send you a notification on your phone sometimes too if you are subscribed to the stream and it is downloading each time because you're listening. It'll send you that notification and let you know, hey, we got a new episode out. And you can also check out on Facebook the Waveform Editions. We do not have the video editions of the podcast right now. We are going through uh, trying to find a way to get uh, the video editions back up and running to you guys uh, with our new uh, studio and, and setup. So make sure you keep an eye out on all of that stuff on those social media platforms. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Zach for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.